A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to another edition of On The Continent, your one-stop shop for everything to do with European football. I'm Dotton Adibayo. I'm Andy Brassel. And I'm Nikki Bandini. On today's edition, big question mark at the end of the January transfer window. Will Aubameyang to Barcelona work out? Also, talking transfers, we're focusing on the winners and losers of the seasonal musical chairs in the Italian Serie A. And the full-time whistle finally blows in the French Olimpico two months after the whistle blew for kickoff. Hear all about it at Le Résumé. So, should we start with Aubameyang to Barcelona? It shouldn't have come as a huge surprise to anybody at all, but perhaps it's the way he arrived in Barcelona that we should be talking about. And also, how on earth is he going to fit in or who's going to leave? Well, they've already sort of stumbled into a personnel problem. Having fit him under the, the, the salary cap, um, which was always going to be the challenge, and they did that through quite a sort of convoluted it looked like he was going to be loaned didn't it to um Barcelona in in the first place Arsenal ended up uh cancelling his contract so he became a, a a free agent um he was signed and Matteo Alemani the former Valencia sporting director who's now sporting director of Barcelona he has had an extraordinary window how he's managed to sign four new players with basically no money is incredible and bear in mind, you know, they ha- there was a lag between them signing Ferran Torres and actually being able to register him. You know, I think people have only started to work out that there's a definition between signing a player and being able to register them, as we've said before, since um, Barcelona have, have been in their, their current state this season. Now, with Aubameyang, what it appears to be is that what we definitely know is that he has um, a deal till 2025 with Barcelona, which is longer than we thought. There is um, a mutual termination option in 2023. So that would be 18 months in. Um, Arsenal will be contributing some of his wages from now until the end of the season, but he is taking a substantial wage cut. I would guess the length of the contract is a bit like the extension that Samuel Mtiti signed, where basically they're putting a certain amount of money over a longer period of time. So it has less of an impact. But as I said at the start, it's already had an impact in terms of personnel because for their Europa League campaign, they can only register three more players. They've registered uh, three new players that they've signed. So they've registered Aubameyang, uh, Ferran Torres and Adama Traore. A poor old Danny Alves, who really helped him out of a, a hole in his senior years, is not going to get to play any European football until the end of the season. I mean, I'm tempted to think that rather than squad balance, it's just political. You can't leave any of those three out, really. It would be more sensible to leave out Aubameyang or leave out 
Adama Traore. I know, I'm not sure if you can leave out Adama Traore just because they bought him for a particular reason. But yeah, but and you know, Barcelona doesn't have anybody else filling that role. Whereas in terms well, of well, not not if they're leaving Usman Dembélé in the stand yeah. for the rest of the season. It does yeah, look exactly. like that's going to happen. No, it does. It does because Xavi doesn't fancy him, and nobody else has come in for him. Oh, well, he doesn't. So. He doesn't fancy it's, the situation. Right. Does he? I mean, they they basically tried to bully him into signing a, a new deal. But what an extraordinary transfer window! I mean, for it's them. funny because Xavi didn't fancy at a certain point in the past. I think they've managed to find quotes of him not fancying either Traore or uh, Albania <laughs> because he's got he's previously talked about um, anyone who leaves sort of the club having been in the youth system. He's like, well, if you make that choice, you don't want to sort of stay around and fight for it, then you know, we shouldn't be buying players back in that situation. They've made the decision. So there's, there's Traore covered. And then um, uh, Aubameyang, I think it's 2020. I've seen this quote going around the last couple of days where he was obviously, he was working elsewhere at the time, but uh, he was obviously asked about um, types of, of striker for, for Barcelona. So he wouldn't want to see, um, he didn't see where a player like Aubameyang could fit in a Barcelona because he, you know, he wasn't criticising him as a player, but he was saying that's a player who needs to work um, with lots of space. He likes to run the space behind the defence, yes. whereas what we need is, is players who can work in the tight spaces because we do, we build up a certain mm. way because we have our specific Barcelona brand of football. And and this is the question now, isn't it? No one um, doubts Aubameyang's ability. I'm, I'm an Arsenal fan, this is known. Um, and and I, I adored him at his best for Arsenal, but certainly it's it's a very different style of football that I've seen him thrive in. Than, than what you associate with Barcelona and what you associate with Xavi and what he's supposed to be bringing back there. Is it a sense, is, is it an indicator of we cannot hope to have 70% of the ball with the current squad? Is, is, is that what it's saying? Well, I, I think it's, 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 it's certainly a fascinating dynamic, right? If we accept that Aubameyang can't work in that kind of system, maybe he can, maybe he surprises people because it turns out that smart footballers can often do that. But... It, it, it's it's fascinating to see now if if Aubameyang drags Xavi in a direction or if Xavi drags Aubameyang in a direction because yes you know does Xavi who's certainly come across the way he talks about football as a football idealist does he allow himself to be a pragmatist at least for this next half a season to get to the end of this season and and hopefully pick Barcelona up from where they've been has Luke De Jong changed his mind in that I mean we've got to bear in mind look at all the forwards they've got on the the, the, right. the, the books now Luke De Jong has been often lampooned, but really valuable for them mm. since the turn of the year, useful in the the, the, the Supercopper, won them some league points as, as as well. But if if you if you look at it now, they have, and of course he's going to run out of loan at the end of the season, um, Luke de Jong. So they've got him, they've got Ferran Torres. Let's not forget Memphis, mm. who was their big forward signing of last mm. summer. And then you, you throw in Dembele, who's still there. Mm. Uh, you throw in... Aubameyang, there's a ton of options for them, an absolute ton of options. Whereas Danny Elves, uh, his age, is going to have to play a lot of right back between now and the end of the season. Or obviously, although obviously not in Europe. Don't shed tears for him. Though. Still, yeah. still making the squads, is it? Still playing at the top flight. Yeah. But I just wonder about this, and I, I know we shouldn't make much of all these sort of reception videos, but, mm. you know, being uh, from the other side of North London, from your allegiance, <laughs> by the way, Nikki, I, 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 couldn't, I, I could not resist. <laughs> I'm just saying, I couldn't resist watching the, you know, reception videos for Aubameyang, and I thought they were somewhat lukewarm. And, it, I mean, he meets Xavi, and fair enough, this is a homecoming for him, remember, because he's got Spanish on his heart, and he's speaking to Xavi in Spanish and everything. Well, his, his mum's Spanish, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And he's speaking to Xavi in Spanish, but it's kind of, you know, there's no, there's none of the kind of passion like I really wanted you here. I know I'm reading something. It's in, they're aware that a video camera's there, etc. But the whole thing, everybody mm-hmm. met him. You know, yeah, hi, fine, let's go. In training, he seemed to be. It could be for the video cameras, but he didn't seem to be part of the. I know it takes a while for people to bed in, but they know Aubameyang. They know what he can do. But it didn't seem like they were entirely overjoyed to see him. They welcomed him, but I don't get I, I, the feeling I'm, that they know It's an interesting could. point. I'm really interested in it from a fan's perspective because this is a guy who very famously said when he was at Dortmund, I'm happy here. If I was to go to another club, my grandfather always wanted to see me play for Real Madrid. Oh, well, I, 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 I think we're pretty clear that's not going to happen now. 
uh, or it would take an incredible turnaround of events. Yeah, right, yeah. I guess never say never in, in, in La Liga at the, the moment. Um, Maybe that's why Xavi had to stand a little bit aloof in his video because you know it can't be hugging some guy who always wanted to go. Real yeah, drink, yeah, but maybe 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 that's part of it. But uh, it's it's just got such a natural charisma anyway. That does doesn't he? And yeah, the Million language. Smile. The, yeah, absolutely. And the language definitely helps. It it makes me think of that that line from uh, Know How by Young MC where he goes, he, he feels at home no matter where he is. And, and I think that's absolutely right because straight away. Looks great in the kit. You, 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 all this stuff about Willy Fit, it just goes out the window because he's just got such a natural ease about him. And as you say, Nicky, the natural quality that he has got, I can't believe that it's it's all disappeared. No, he's he's too young for it to have all disappeared. He's too young. And 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 who knows, Dutton, like maybe some of like that is Xavi in his head thinking, being aware of the things he said in the past, knowing that he said these things about um about um Aubameyang in the past and I I don't know if this conversation happens as much in other countries actually like in Italy this is like a really common conversation that we have about managers getting split into two camps there are the pragmatists and then the idealists and that was you know Allegri's great triumph at Juventus was he came in after Conte Conte is viewed as an idealist he's someone who has it might not be the the beauty of, of a of the the Pep Guardiola way, but he's got his way of doing football and everyone's going to fit into his ideals. And Allegri was the great pragmatist who came after him and and whatever players got thrown at him by management for several years, he kept turning them into title-winning teams. And Xavi, I think, is so embedded in Barcelona who have this certainly an image in my eyes as an idealistic club. I mean, it goes right Mm -hmm. to the Mescayan club. It goes, it goes, I'm sorry, just butcher the pronunciation of that but you guys know what I'm saying oh, you did it better um, than me um it goes it goes right to the core of it and so is it difficult for him to swallow some idealism for the practical reality of we're not great right now and we need to get better as, as we said before I think he's already had to do that to a certain mm. extent and you know the thing is his spell in charge of Barcelona however long it lasts whether it blows out in a year and a half which I don't think it will or whether it lasts five six seven eight nine ten years this opening bit there's going to be a load of reality checks along the way and um, the Usman Dembele thing was was part of that it's like we talked about it when Xavi came out and said that there are two options for Usman this month either he signs a new contract or accepts a transfer well those aren't the two options are they there's there's a third very big option which I think he'll be doing and you'll probably be punishing him for Uh, and And it'll cost you yeah it it, it, it will third option for nothing it it will exactly and um, you know I think even if he's got a real clear vision of things, and what you were saying as, as as well about relating to Aubameyang, that will tell us, can he deal with players? Because mm. that is a huge part of it. You know that old Julian Nagelsmann quote about um, coaching is um, 15% tactics and 85% social competence? Mm. I, th- I think that's something that's quite interesting when we talk about Xavi, because we're so impressed by his his stature, his vision, his aligning himself with Cruyff and Guardiola as a great thinker of the game. But when you've got to do something, and especially like play to the, the strengths of a player, like whether it be Aubameyang or, or, or Luke de Jong, it's, it's interesting. Just, just, I, I sort of pick up off that, that thought because I think it's, it's such an interesting thought that I feel like I've been dwelling on recently already because I interviewed Stefano Pioli recently, the Milan manager, and he when I talked about like the specifics of, of his role, like he was really clear on that. Like he views his role in big part as that interpersonal relationship with the players. Mm. He said, I've got people who help me with tactics. I've got assistants help me with tactics, but the, the one-on-one with the players, that's me. That's, I don't, I don't ask my assistants to help with that at all, basically. Mm. And that, uh, it's you know it's the same same point you're making. Yeah, we'll see if it makes a difference now uh, for Aubameyang. There there is a question, and it refers back to the fans' reaction that you mentioned a moment or two. Andy uh, Rock and Roll on Instagram has uh, Instagrammed us uh, to ask <laughs> what what what? <laughs> hey hey, this is not ages. Leave out the ageism, okay? <laughs> because this is about age. This rock, question. Rock and Roll has not left out the ageism. Exactly, <laughs> strongly implied. So, <laughs> What is the reaction of Barca fans of a player of Aubameyang's age joining? Now, okay, um, his official age is 31. 
Yeah, but obviously on the pitch in Barcelona, that would be like 91 to a lot of people. Um, but he's still got skills. Yeah, I think th- th- there's there's an understanding that, that they need a bit of experience in there to go around what they've already got. And, you know, in, in terms of Danny Alves, you know, that's several years older. Fair point. Of course, he's already got status at the club, so that's very different. I think that's that's the thing. With Aubameyang, it's never about the quality. It's about the influence that will be on the squad mm-hmm. and on some of those younger players. Because if you look at, I don't, I don't know, um, any team really, your excellent young players can only ever really be as good as the experienced players are. Mm-hmm. You know, you could argue that that's an issue for Borussia Dortmund at the moment, that the, the senior players, whether it be Hummels, Emre Can, they haven't been quite good enough and that's affected the performance of the team. And when you look at Aubameyang, the, the questions over him, all right, he's had a dip in form, but it's, it's mainly off-pitch stuff, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And the influence he has and particularly his relationship with that Arsenal squad as a captain. Now, th- mm-hmm. th- that is something that's absolutely key on whether he's going to be successful or not. Uh, Barcelona going He's going definitely forward. not going to be captain again, is he? So, I think we can rule that one out. Yeah. So, there is other uh, transfer window issues still to be uh, ticked off and uh, well, just resolved from us, our point of view, because almost the transfer window this time around in Serie are in particular, Nikki, threw in more questions than answers, didn't it? Oh, I mean, there was some big, big um, movement in, in Serie A and I think it's hard to to start talking about the Serie A transfer window without starting on Dusan Vlaovic. He's absolutely dominated my last working month, I can tell you that much. Um <laughs> And of course, conflicting, because as I've just observed, I'm an Arsenal fan. I was hoping there might be a way that he could wind up in North London, but I think that was honestly never on the cards, even though Arsenal had a strong and serious interest or willing to pay more, willing to to do what was, was required to get him in. I think Vlavic... He didn't want to go and, there. Well, yeah, there's this great discussion in Italy about whether it was more him or more his agent, uh, Ristich, and what, what they wanted. But I think sometimes people separate those two things out too much because a good agent has a personal relationship with their client and is advising them a shared vision. their career. Yeah. yeah. So so who knows? But between them certainly I think it, it's very clear now. And it was always suspected, but very clear now with hindsight that that they always had this very strong preference to stay in Italy, this very strong preference to go to Juventus, which of course they couldn't name because Fiorentina are a, a club with a, a historic rivalry with with Juventus who have already gone through this painful process of selling several of their biggest sort of young players to events happened with Bernadeschi and then Chiesa and of course before that happened with Roberto Baggio so there's this history that you've got weighing on you and and I think it really was reflected um, even at the time I, I said I thought the celebration made it clear he was leaving but Vlaovic's last goal that he scored at home holding his hands up in a sort of apologetic gesture to the crowd I don't think he wanted to upset people but I think he's known for a while that this was the transfer he had in mind um, and I think the surprise is that Juventus were able to put it together because that is a club who I think losses were about two, more than 200 million euros in the last accounts. Um, a lot of European, big European clubs have gone through this because of course the pandemic has hit everyone. Um, Juventus had taken some steps that we could see very visibly to reduce the amount of outgoings they had. Of course, Ronaldo's off the books, you don't have to pay for that anymore. But we still didn't know where this 70 odd million euros they've had, they've got to pay for for Vlavic was going to come from. And even at the time of his signing, we might not have had all the answer. We talked about capital raises and things going on. And then out of nowhere, Kulisevsky and Bentanker packed off to Tottenham and suddenly the the, the book balancing becomes a bit more clear. But it's it's a fantastic um, signing for Juventus. I think... I think the urgency of it for them was really brought home by their game against Milan um, this January where they didn't have a single shot on target, which hadn't happened to them in any Serie A match for a couple of years. Hadn't happened in a game against Milan for for a lot longer than that. And the reality that they're still outside the top four, um, I think someone, it's the other part of the financial side of it, someone upstairs 
looked at the numbers of how much money they were going to lose not going into the Champions League, which is about 80 million euros, or at least that's how much they make in prize money. Of course, they'd make something in the Europa League as well. And thought, no, we we need to act. And is, um, is that the main thing that they not so much w- w- should should have been looking at it or were looking at it through? Can we afford him? Is can we afford, afford not, not to. to get him? I think that's been a really big consideration, really big one. And it's it's you know it then leads us into this second question, which is you know does football maths work like this, right? Like because you've said goodbye to Ronaldo who, while he was in Italy, set the record for the most goals in a calendar year in Serie A. And you've bought someone who, by coincidence, actually matched that record of most goals in, in Serie A in a calendar year. So, like, can you just replace goals with goals? And, of course, you can't because players have to fit in systems. Players have to integrate. Players have to have managers who know how to use them. It's a fascinating mix. Um, I think the signing of Zakaria is also really interesting. Um, I think because Zakaria is... Uh, a real sort of ball-winning midfielder who you can sit at the base of that midfield. Maybe that allows Manuel Locatelli, who's been having to hold as a regista in front of the defence and be the sort of playmaker, allows him to move into what I think is more his natural role as a, as a box-to-box player. Mm. And maybe that link allows you to start doing things. But yes, I think 100% they've signed this one player in the hope that he can fix the biggest problem they've got, which is not scoring goals. I think that's the thing, isn't it? Do you think he's he's a kind of a twofold benefit signing, isn't he? Because mm. you can paper over the cracks between now and the end of the season and get them to qualify in the top four and grow with them as mm. as, as well. But I wonder if one of the biggest things they've done this season is to start to, uh, this window is to start to clear the decks. Because yeah. they, they've needed to do that for a long time. We talk about the Ronaldo wages, which I think is is justifiable, but it's a big wage bill apart from that. And th- there's a lot of, I think it's quite a sort of, not, not a lot of variety in that midfield. And that's been an issue for them yeah. for, for a long time. I, I like the signing of Zachariah in principle, but having seen him since he came back from his big knee injury, He's a long way off being the player he was, in in my opinion. I I think that's an issue. And I, I think his contractual situation with him running out of deal at Borussia Mönchengladbach at the end of the season created a market for him that his form probably shouldn't have, mm. um, which I, I think is maybe a bit of an issue. Again, is, an issue that could be papered over by Vlajevic going well between now and the end of the season. And I think that's it's super interesting because you just talked about clearing the decks. I think that you've absolutely, like one of the big problems they've made for themselves in the last few years is they have had a slightly chaotic transfer policy of trying to hoover up players perceived as bargains because they're out of contract with Aaron Ramsey being the sort of yeah. most sort of I guess... Um, Pro, high profile? Yeah, high profile oh. example of someone who was signed, who never really fit, who's cost them a ton of money. And they're still paying his wages, aren't they? Well, yeah. Uh, or a portion some of, of it, it anyway, yeah. yeah. But they're, Most, relieved to, yeah. they're relieved to have at least sort of moved him on and, and, and see a different future for that. But Adrian Rabiot is another example. At least he's younger, but who hasn't really panned out at Juventus. No. And and that was actually in my head when we were talking about Aubameyang. Like, you know, these things can work out great because, of course, the other example at the other end of it is back in the early Allegri days when they got um, Carlos Tevez and, and mm. he was brilliant and, and helped carry them to a, a Champions League final. Um, but I um, I think these these moves that are done driven by economic opportunity sometimes can be misguided. Um, yeah, I, that, that, there is a danger inherent with bargain shopping, isn't there? Yeah. It reminds me of when I was a kid and my mum would try and get ahead of the game by like, if she spotted something that I liked, um, she would go big and buy lots of it. And I, I feel like oh, Juventus no. have done that with free transfers, but eventually you end up with a freezer full of crispy pancakes that no one wants to eat. <laughs> we'll get onto the food later on. I'll ask you. <laughs> it definitely won't be crispy pancakes, whatever the game is. Let me tell you that. Uh, straight out of the freezer and all. Um, yeah, but there, there's a consequence, isn't it? We're, we're talking about Serie R's transfer windows, something mm-hmm. of a musical chairs. Uh, when Vlavic goes to Juventus, then who fills his place? So Arthur Cabral and uh, Christoph Piontek were both signed by Fiorentina. Piontek came before Vlavic had left, um, but was a clue of the way the wind was blowing. It was a big flag, wasn't it? Yeah. And then Cabral comes in and I'm super intrigued by Cabral because he's been absolutely sort of 
lighting things up at Basel for a few years now. He's someone who was a young sort of talent in Brazil at the same time as Gabigol and yet despite scoring a similar number of goals that time, never really got that much attention. Felipe Scolari never called up for Brazil, said he was too slow. And when you watch him, he is a striker who, contrary to Vlahovic, who's this sort of physical marvel who's had to work on his technique in some ways. Um, Cabral is a bit slow, doesn't look necessarily always the part but then you watch him in small spaces and he just seems to find his way through I like that areas. kind of a player mate I love this and, kind of player yeah and he's fun to watch he's really fun to watch yeah. and he and he's been scoring goals by the hatful but of course everyone goes okay but that's in Switzerland can you do it in a league with a reputation for being one of the best defensively where Tevez comes and says it's a university for attackers because you've got to play against defenders. now I would point out that Serie A defensively has been a little bit suspect the last few years, to be honest. There's been a lot of goals scored, so maybe. But um, Piontek is interesting too, but I'm, I'm really, really... I think I'm excited to watch Cabral, actually, because I don't know what, to, what we're going to get. Piontek is interesting, because if you put all his transfer fees that he's cost <laughs> to, together, <laughs> I, I, I mean, it's it's a little bit like... He's Jeff Bezos, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's kind of like David... His agent is. Yeah, yeah, he is. It's, it's, it's kind of like... David Platt in the old days, isn't it? Yeah. But I, I just think how much, how much real proof is is there of Piontek? Because he arrives in Serie A in the first place, a, a, a Genoa, who I guess we'll maybe come to in a little bit, has that brilliant first half season at Genoa when no one in Poland can even believe he's in Serie A in the first yeah. place. Scores all those goals. People are convinced. He gets the move to Milan super quickly. On paper, he scores goals, but there are quite a lot of pens in there. Yeah. And, you know, there's no sense that he ever really fits. And then you look at where else he ends up. You know, he ends up at, he ends up at Hertha. Doesn't really work out. Doesn't really end up being a, a nailed on first, uh, like first 11 pick, despite the fact that they um, have paid a lot of money for him. And now here he goes back in, in, in Serie A, I mean, I understand, like, physically, it looks like he's a replacement for Vlaovic. Not nearly the same sort of level, not even, as you say, slightly the same type of player. He's got some work to do to, like, re-establish himself as a, as a well, a, a, a good or very good European player, doesn't he? I remember when he made the move to Milan, um, doing quite a lot of sort of, like, sitting down and watching all his goals on film, basically, and watching how he scores goals. And what struck me then um, is that he's actually much more of an Inzaghi um, when he's when he's on. Mm. You know, he's he's someone who, his, his strength, when he's been good, I think is all in that ability to take the one step away from a defender that buys him the space to shoot inside the area. He's not Vlahovic who just flattens defenders, imposes himself on them. Vlahovic is more of a Lukaku. Mm. Um Piontek just wants to find that half yard and and at his best I, I saw him being very good at that but I don't know if it's a bit too one trick pony for modern football actually I think that's maybe not enough mm. to be a successful striker nowadays it worked at the beginning because he was new and defenders hadn't it, worked is, him out yet Is that why so many uh, coaches or you know fo football um, directors are fancy him or still you know the, 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 talked about the amount of teams he's gone to and he's still an attractive footballer well the value diminishes each time so. but does it does it because if he's gone back to Serie A that's it, it's suggesting that his value is still quite uh, buoyant he, I don't know I mean well, the transfer value certainly goes down each time Um I, I haven't actually charged that it's possible it hasn't been completely all the way down but um I I don't know I think I think in football people get uh, attached to the idea of a player they've seen scoring before and so they've seen him score before and they hope he's going to do it for them. They hope that he'll find the magic. But um, between the two, I, I'm more optimistic for Cabral, but I don't know. Again, we've seen players scoring in leagues that come to different leagues and can't do it again. And we haven't even talked about the player that you really want to talk about, but we'll come to that in a minute. You can throw that in <laughs> in this conversation. It's no. just me talking segment. That's all right. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Thankfully, uh, Tom has communicated to us in uh, on a platform other than Instagram, so there will be no age discrimination in this one, will there, Andy? Do, do you think the signing of Jeremy Boga from um, Atalanta from Sassuolo could actually turn into be one of the better bargain signings of the window? Yes, ah. of course, definitely, because it's any 
sensitive, dynamic, dribbling uh, young player moving to work with Giampiero Gasperini, who just seems to have magic in his... I was going to say in his, I don't know, in his tactical plans, magic in his in his formation map that brings out goals and and excitement and brilliance. And you know, we've talked about it on this show before. You, you can see the spark in her eyes, yeah. can't you? You can see it. He's <laughs> oh, lighting Gasparini. up on this one. No, honestly, it's wonderful. Yeah, um, yeah I, 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 um, I, I think that any player in that system just seems to thrive. And it's always the worry when players leave that system is how much was it just that? But he empowers players to play one on one. He has when Atalanta have the ball, you see an absurd number of players in front of the ball. And Berger is a great dribbler who scores some brilliant goals from Sassuolo cutting him from the wing. It fits. It fits. I hope so. I think he'll be brilliant. Uh, but not as brilliant as Gerson's. Gerson's is, is one of my um, absolute favourite players in Serie A. I think he's wonderful. Um, of course, he's been doing it at Atalanta. So you you have that sort of Atalanta caveat. We see players leave there all the time and not do as well elsewhere. But we're talking about an, a notional wingback who scored 20 goals in the last two seasons. Um, going to work at Inter, where I think where he'll play on the left side at Inter is, is so interesting because you've already got in their back three, Alessandro Bastoni, who is one of the, the most exciting young centre-back talents, I think, in the world. And he plays in a way that's outrageous sometimes in the system under Simone Inzaghi. I mean, he's so involved in attacking plays, so high up the pitch sometimes. He's so much a link between different parts of the team while also being a centre-back. And you combine that on the left-hand side with, um, at the moment, it's Ivan Perisic. But Perisic wants to hug the wings and put crosses in more. You combine it with Gosens who wants to come inside and, and, and attack in that inward way with um, Chalanoglu in the middle I think that recipe is is really really exciting and I, I want to see it the, um, the the great thing about this signing is the way that they've done it Gosens because the concern of him is that he's he's injured and he's been injured most of the season Inter have got a deal where they don't basically it's a loan that doesn't become permanent until he plays next season so they can try him out this half a season and they have that flexibility if it doesn't look right to never play him next season and send him back, I guess. Um, but it, on paper, it's also a great deal because Perisic, who's now 32, I think, is out of contract at the end of the year. They've got Gerson's on a contract that's maybe two thirds as big as Perisic's. So it's significantly cheaper option. And someone who's 27 instead of 32. So I, I think it's a great signing for Inter. And I I really want it to be the best pre-injury Gerson's that we get when he's finally healthy again. Because... Again, I just Bastoni is one of those players I'm obsessed with, and I think he's he's really emerging as something special. And I think that Gussens has been brilliant for a while. Was brilliant for Germany in the Euros this summer as well. So it's not just at Atlanta. I think even Angela Merkel was talking about him at one point. Um, and uh, <laughs> it is a sign of approval. You'd have thought. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> and um, and yeah, I, I want to see it. I, I want it to come together. But of course, um, until he's back from injury, we won't know. Atebur spara in mezzo. Audero devia. Arriva Dossens che trova un angolo quasi impossibile per segnare il suo terzo gol in campionato. Il secondo di fila e riportare avanti l'Atalanta. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hold up. 
Looking for your next podcast binge? Well, look no further. The Offensive is a football mockumentary that follows Premier League club Ashwood City as their money-grabbing owner and his board veer from one crisis to another. Sounds familiar. Well, things are reaching breaking point this January as Real Madrid come calling for Ashwood's star player. Oh, and Patrick's going to accept 180 million euros for Kevin. Wait, what? wait, hang on, wait. Woody, I'm just getting my dick out. Ah, fuck you and your dick. It's just getting my dick out, Woody. It's part of the negotiations. Woody, my dick. Patrick, these are the new work experience intake for the marketing team. Uh, hi. Hi, yeah. Uh... The Offensive, where the thick of it meets the Premier League. Subscribe now and enjoy more than 130 episodes. The Offensive is a stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. So, Andy, uh, the next topic, it's one that listeners will be familiar with, well, regulars. On too familiar with, perhaps. Well, no, not too familiar, because there's been different aspects of this drama. Yeah. Like a good Shakespeare play, there are five acts. Uh, <laughs> the first act, <laughs> we've been sitting in the theatre for a long time on this one, waiting for the finale. The Plenty first of intervals, act, though. <laughs> yes, of course, in twists and turns, as you'd expect, uh, from a Shakespearean drama. The first act, Marseille is on one end of that, Leon is on the other end of that. There was a match that was uh, abandoned because of crowd violence, or at least one incident, particularly with Dimitri Payet being involved in the middle of it. And it was abandoned, and now they've had to replay the match. But it's not quite le résumé with the fans, is it? No. um, (laughs) There was a lot of consternation over what should actually happen, when it should happen. Uh, Leon were... That's just like a Shakespeare play. Leon were deducted a point um, and both teams were unhappy about having to play the match again. Marseille thought they should have got a 3-0 win and that should have been the end of it. Um, Leon were annoyed, um, A, that the match didn't start again on the evening, which I personally think is impossible after what happened to, to Dimitri Payet, of course. Um, then um, th- th- they knew they were going to have to play it behind closed doors, um, which they did at the Group Armour Stadium this week. They were unhappy about the the timing of it as well. And they were, Leon were saying that they, um, Marseille have agreed to a timing of the game when they know uh, Leon are going to have key players on international duty. Now, Bruno Guimaraes, who in the event left for Newcastle United anyway, and Lucas Paquetá, who's their best player, both off with Brazil. Um, with injuries, suspensions, COVID, etc., etc., uh, Leon had a very depleted side for this game. And Marseille, if they won the game, could have gone second. Oh, and you've given it away. I thought you'd tell us slowly. And kick yet... Kick. And yet, well, they took the lead in the first half, yeah. Marseille. Uh, Leon ended up coming back. And uh, Zerdan Shakiri, who's been out of the picture for a, a, a lot of the season after they signed him, experienced almost instant buyer's remorse, have been trying to sell for all of January, scored the equaliser, set up the winner for Moussa Dembele, mm. who it had been announced was ruled out of the game <laughs> yes. with COVID-19. They did a, a speculative PCR test on the morning of the game because he was asymptomatic. Turned out he didn't have it anymore. So he comes onto the bench, comes on and scores an 89th minute winner. An 89th minute winner of quite sublime quality. All the goals I thought were brilliant, yeah. including Guendouzi's for uh, Marseille as well. Yeah, that's right. Which was remarkable in itself because Payet sets it up with a corner taken from the exact spot where he was hit by the bottle. In the but in the, in the no first crowd, game. he's not worried. This no, I, no, he could he could take it with like like full confidence. This, this, I do this, wonder this how the lack of a crowd affected it. From you know from the first match, mm. being the resume as it were, the first match it was Marseille that were in ascendancy. And it seemed like a continuation of that when Guendouzi got the court. Yeah, that, that, so, that, they were on top for those three minutes. They actually <laughs> got played. I, I, I just I just think the the, the the thing with that it it was a. 
it was a disadvantage to Leon for a, a number number of reasons. Like I said, the um, the the no crowd, they got the point deduction, which they're still sore about because, as as they see it, it's the actions of 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 one individual. Mm. Um, it's not like the Nice Marseille game that was abandoned, where Nice got deducted a point where. You know the Marseille players and the Nice fans were fighting on the pitch. It was still something absolutely extraordinary in a season of extraordinary scenes um, involving fan violence in in in, in France. Um, but the, yeah, the, the the twist of Dembélé coming on as as, as sub and scoring the winner. Not only Risen was was he ruled out with COVID on the morning of the the, the, the game, he hadn't scored an open play yeah. since. August is written in the stars. It sounds mate. like it sounds like the sort of thing that's like becomes a conspiracy theory, though. Was it all a bluff? Pretend he's not out with COVID, and and then and then. Well, he didn't train on Monday, so he's 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 at home, yeah. and th- the only reason that he was able to get down and play it was pretty much right. We need an extra sub. Grab your boots. It's because he lives really close to the stadium, <laughs> <laughs> so that they could go right. You're on the bench tonight. I was wondering. Let's let's, let's go with this. I was wondering why he was so happy at the end of the match, but no, um, it, it's resolved now. But I imagine it's not the argument over it isn't over. Yeah, I mean, uh, resolved, define resolved. Okay. Uh, well, I, I, I in, think in terms of league points and you know what's going to go on the record books. Yeah, Marseille uh, lost two one to Leon. Yeah, and it re- it really opens everything up again because now Lyon are um, a point off fourth place. They're only six um, behind um, second uh, behind the Champions League places, the last of which is, is, is Marseille. And of course, they've had a pretty good week, but bearing in mind that it started with Bruno Guimaraes being the, one of their best players, if not their best player, being sold to Newcastle. They started off thinking, right, this is a, a difficulty because we've got a player who is one of our best and we're we're, un, we're under pressure here we need the money um we've had a huge empty stadium for a long time we didn't we managed to snatch Europa League qualification from the jaws of Champions League qualification last season probably won't qualify for the Champions League this season certainly on balance of probability before this game and there's a lot of competition it's very tight and they've somehow managed to turn it into a week of an improbable win, bringing back one of your best players in recent years, Tangi and Dombele, for six months for pennies on the pound, and signing a young player, Roman Fev, jumping the queue to sign him. Milan very close to signing him last mm-hmm. summer, of course, terrific left-footed playmaker. With they didn't have the money to do that if they hadn't sold Gimaraes and of course they were able to get a little bit more money out of Newcastle for Gimaraes because it was such a key signing for them and Gimaraes was never going to sign a new contract once Juninho went as sporting director before Christmas because he he was the guy who made him come to the club in the first place so they've managed to work it out very very nicely indeed and now they've got this sort of beefed up squad for for the rest of the season, particularly in midfield, where, you know, we talked about Barcelona's forward options. You look at Leon in midfield, so they're adding Fev and uh, Tungi and Dombele, who, you know, if he gets to anywhere near his best, we know what sort of player he is. Mm. Then on top of that, you have uh, Kakare, Awa, who was injured and can play in this game, Chago Mendes. You know, there's a huge, huge amount of quality there. And of course, Zerdan Shakiri's flying his little flag at the moment as well. Dun, 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 dun. We shouldn't forget Marseille. Yeah, I mean, there's a certain Shakiri's not singing that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's Le Marseillaise. <laughs> it's that time. When we go through some of the communications that we've had with you, you can always contact us. Uh, during the course of the week, you can tweet us at Football Ramble, at Dotton Adibayo, at Andy Brassel, and at Nicky Bandini. So let's go with this first question from Pete. What's next for Sari and Lazio? Is sporting director Iglietari under pressure? Um, I feel like everyone's under pressure at, at Lazio at the moment. Iglietari has actually done, I think, a really impressive job for several seasons of, of putting uh, a squad together while actually being pretty successful at balancing the books, even though the fans have generally been pretty unhappy for a lot of Lotito's tenure about their perception that he's not spending enough money to bring the the team where it needs to be. I think this has definitely been um, uh, a season that is 
grating on a lot of the fan base with um, salaries, results overall not living up to where people want them to be. Certainly a step back from where they were under Inzaghi. I think he bought himself a certain amount of goodwill just by winning the derby, but whether or not that can hold forever is 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 another question. Uh, he's 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 under pressure for sure. For now, what's next for him is he's he's still there. I don't think he's he's getting the boot just yet, but there's certainly some pressure building. Oh yeah, they've made some interesting signings. Got Jovan Cabral over over the line just before the end of the window with him getting replaced by by an Englishman at Sporting and Marcus Edwards. So we'll see how he gets on. And there was a great question as well, by the way, a real good OTC question. And we get lots of really good questions, by the way. This week was especially, in my view, uh, loaded with great questions. This is a real generic one, but it's the obvious one. And sometimes the obvious ones are the best ones as well. Jamie Stone says, are there any January transfers that stand out to the pod that may have gone under the radar? There's always one or two. My favourite one... Um, would be we talked about Roman Fev, um, brilliant young playmaker leaving Brest. Um, they replaced him with uh, Yusuf Belaili, the um, Mor- um, the Algerian playmaker um, who uh, played a good part in them winning the African Cup of Nations last mm. time around. Not played for a first team in Europe before at thirty, but he's such a superstar and we talked about Aubameyang turning yeah. up with swagger and being yeah, comfortable in his own skin Belaili is exactly that you know he's he's handsome talented he's got a real bit of dash to him and Brest you know there's no getting around it they're, they're fun to watch but they're a provincial club they have almost quadrupled their social media following oh, in the wow. two days after he signed. Wow. <laughs> and uh, that, that even when they gave the introductory press conference to Bella Ailey, the, um, the, the president said, um, we'd like to welcome all the uh, new followers that, <laughs> that, that, that we've got and say, uh, thank you, Yusuf. <laughs> Uh, okay, this is the time that we all enjoy because our stomachs are rumbling by now. We're hungry for football, but also hungry in other ways. Should we start with the football? And don't forget, we want a food pairing to go with it as well. Um, game of the week. What's your football game of the week, first of all? Andy, do you want to go first or Nikki? I don't mind. It's an easy one for After me. you. Okay, it's, let's go it's with It's the Milan Derby this weekend mm-hmm. on Saturday. Uh, 5pm UK time uh, 6pm local time uh, yeah it's it's the derby it's it's a huge derby obviously you've got Inter who are top of the table you've got Milan who are second or at least fighting now with, with Napoli in second and it's a game that Milan probably have to win um, if they're going to to really make a, a fight of this title race now because they didn't manage to get the win against Juventus just before, um, again, I, I actually had a chance to speak to Stefano Pioli, the Milan manager, just before these two games, and he described them at the time as important, not decisive. But but if you look at the standings now, in to have a four-point lead and a game in hand, you're not going to get another weekend where you can just gain three points on them. So yeah. it's, it's such a uh, an opportunity for, for, for Milan and such a, an opportunity at the same time for Inter to, to sort of pull ahead and and make a, a statement. I do feel like Inter have started the year just slightly less impressive than, than where they were. They obviously brought in Gerson's we talked about in Caicedo, but Gerson's won't be playing for for a while yet because of injury. Um, Milan have, have had their own sort of series of, of injuries and, and absences that really, I think, undermine them a lot in the middle of the season and, and they're still not going to have Tamori and Chiara in, in defence but with Leal back with a bit more sort of options up front they, they need to show it they need to show they can win a big game like this which they weren't able to do against Juventus despite being the better team so big big game and what better could you pair it with Dutton? I, I think you're about to ask me on the food. Yeah, yeah, of course I am. I was thinking <laughs> you, you mentioned pressure, so I'm going to need something to just calm us down yeah, a little well, bit. We'll Too simple. much pressure. We'll keep it simple. Uh, we'll have a nice risotto alla milanese, uh, which you know people like to mess around with risotto. People like to put people want to put their meats in it. Want to put some veg in it. They want to overdo it. 
a la mignonette. It's super simple. It's just the rice, onion, butter, bit of white wine, and then some saffron and some cheese. If and you, like, you are, make that. Oh, you wow. are also, and some chicken broth actually to, to, to cook it down. I think you can expect and a knock on your door on Sunday <laughs> evening now. It started um, off with me saying I could make it, then you threw in the chicken, then I chicken realized. Broth, just I'm broth. Gonna, well, it's easy. I mean, if you it. want to do it. You know, as the fanciest restaurants in Milan do, you'll probably need to get some some bone marrow or something. But you can do it at home with OXO cubes. It's easy and it's such a nice... We're still in the winter here. It's still cold. It's just a nice warming dish. Yes. Yeah. Snoop Dogg would say, Hey, what's the point of doing it at home where you can order it from out there? <laughs> so remember that. Remember that Snoop Dogg is listening to this. Andy, what would you go for as a game well, of the I, I always bear in mind the fact that Snoop Dogg is listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am gonna also. I'm gonna go for a Sunday night, uh, and I'm gonna go for Lille versus Paris Saint Germain. Now we talked I about like how everything is really scrunched up in uh, Ligue 1. Three points between fourth Strasbourg and eleventh Lille, who are the champions at the moment. So they've got to start motoring. There's no um, sense of right, well, this game's a freebie. It's, it's not. They need to do some catching up if they're going to uh, qualify for Europe. Some interesting transfer activity at Lille because they lost uh, Renildo. They're, they're, they're starting left back to Atletico Madrid. Looked like he would go in the summer. He's gone now. They have, of course, signed Atem Ben Arfa, who would love nothing better than to put the skids under his former club and celebrate in a really graceless manner, sure. which I, I would love to see. Now, of course, if you know anything about the city of Lille, you know it's got to be Flamencusha, which is... Uh, it's, it's, I guess in French you'd call it tart flambe. It's kind of it's a bit like pizza, but a bit squarer. Um, oh, it's amazing. And also, if you happen to be in Lille at any point, I, I guess not this Sunday for a lot of people. But if you are right at the top of the town by Lille Flandre, <laughs> yes, um, you're right. I've been there. I know Lille Flandre. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they're like away from the Eurostar terminal. Well, uh, they've they've they've. They've got a, a brewery there. It's, it's a it's a microbrewery, and they they it's do on great. that square, isn't it? Yeah, they, the they they do, they do great flamenco. Okay, and let me just add because I know Lille as well that this is your actual Eurostar derby, Lille PSG. Trust me. a Stack production and part of the Acast Creative Network. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. 